Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for our, and hopefully your, amusement. I am your hidden amongst the tall grass of a host, Gary, with my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hello, Gary. Well, Goldie Ann, do you know what is the worst part of living next to a gardener? No. The grass actually is greener on the other side. Wow. Okay, so then let's go ahead and get in with the uh, housekeeping. Uh, we mentioned on an earlier podcast about Paranormality Magazine, which publishes a monthly online with stories about everything paranormal. In fact, the latest issue has a spectacular article called The Singing River, The Forgotten Window Area, which discusses dimensional portals such as the Pascagoula River. So if you're interested in anything paranormal, I highly recommend checking out the Paranormality magazine. They also sponsor a top 25 chart, and each month people can vote for their favorite podcast. Since we're brand new, I thought we would give it a try and see if we could encourage others to vote for us. Now, the voting started on the 21st and will end on the 20th. So I'm going to post a link to the Paranormality magazine and highly recommend you check it out. Plus, feel free to vote for your favorite paranormal podcasts. Hint, this one or any other fantastic ones out there. So to get everyone caught up on what we've been doing here at Within the Mist, I have started our YouTube channel. So you can go to YouTube, Within the Mist, and there are podcasts, so it's all the audio, with some visuals added into it for those people who like to basically view or play podcasts over YouTube. So please go check it out, see if that's something that interests you, any hints and tips. My goal is, is that the podcast continues to grow. We're going to look for ways to expand. I would love to start doing some videos of visiting some of the places that our stories contain in. We would appreciate any ideas or suggestions that you, our listeners, have. Just contact us on our various social media projects or email us at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com. Now, before we begin, today's episode contains some encounters with terrifying creatures of the forest that some members of our audience might find a bit unsettling, so please be forewarned. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe a little scared. Listener discretion is always advised. So now, Goldian, let's take a walk within the mist. Were you aware that Ohio is among the top five states for Bigfoot cases? Absolutely, I did not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Not only that, this is thought to be because of the widespread forest areas, multiple acres of farmlands, and the numerous lakes and streams. There have been eyewitnesses who claim that there is a giant hairy hominid that walks on two legs throughout the forests of Ohio. The cryptid gets its unique name from the enormous igloo-like living structures or nests it constructs out of the tall grass and branches. Now is this a version of Bigfoot? Or is it a completely different entity altogether? Today, we're going to discuss the creature hidden amongst the tall grass, the Ohio Grassman. Now, Ohio being my home state, this was something that I read about when I was much younger. 
and he was usually described as such. He is like the legendary Bigfoot, based on reports, and is said to be the largest member of the hairy hominid family. At nearly nine feet tall, Damn. he's hairy and bipedal in appearance, so he is a little bit bigger than the usual Bigfoot. How old is topics the usual Bigfoot? Usually, most of the stories put him at about eight feet tall. So he's about a little bit, he's about a foot taller than the standard Sasquatch story. So it's not really you. It is definitely not me. I'm, I'm, my six foot three would be a very puny grass man. Now, one of the mighty beasts that was sighted in 1978 was estimated to be about 300 pounds, but others claim upwards to 600 pounds. The cryptid is often observed around farms, chewing on its main diet of the tall grasses such as wheat. This different diet of being a vegetarian is where the grass man gets its name. It is also much more sociable than the Bigfoot, with several sightings of more than one grass man at a time. And it has even been reported that there have been mothers have been seen with their babies. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, some of this more social behavior finds them in a foul mood and accompanied with the classic foul odor that is normal for all versions of this creature. So even though it's easier to find these guys, it generally is not a good idea to come up against them. Another key aspect about the grass man is that he has a unique trait is the construction of grass nests. The structures are unlike anything seen before and resemble a primate nest. These nests are formed by the interconnection of branches and grass interweaved to create an igloo-like structure. They measure about 10 feet long and about 3 feet wide. The inside has enough room to fit three adult men. The fact that the construction was done with large branches and smaller branches woven in between each other and then covered with long grass and other forest materials to provide protection from the elements. This indicates that they were made by an intelligence. Return trips to locations of these grass nests are met with the nest's disappearance. So generally, people find these, and then when they come back to take a second look at them, they're gone. So it seems that whatever is building them also destroys them to not leave any trace behind. Seems like a lot of work. Well, maybe they just like to be in comfort. So are these structures disassembled as the creature moves on, or are they absorbed into the growth of the forest? What do you think? What if they carry them with them? So these nests are mobile homes? Yeah. Okay. So so the grass man... It seems is, like a lot of work. The grass man is operating his own trailer park, is what you're saying. That seems like a lot of work. Oh. Um, let's go ahead and begin with the very beginning with Chapter 1, The Wild Ones of the Woods. Ohio was initially colonized by French fur traders. Then Ohio became a British colony and following the French and Indian War in 1754. At the end of the American Revolution, Britain ceded control of the territory to the newly formed United States, which incorporated it into what was called the Northwest Territory. However, before that time, the Ohio Territory was inhabited about, by about 45,000 Native Americans. And among the tribes inhabiting the region were the Shawnee, the Delaware, the Miami, the Wendat, the Ottawa, and the Potawatomi. So there was many numerous uh, Native Americans and tribes that 
pretty much inhabited all of the forests of the Ohio Territory. These tribes of Native Americans would carry on an oral tradition and one of the legends that they passed on from generation to generation was about a race of bipedal ape men that they referred to as the wild ones of the woods that lived just outside of their tribes. Now according to the oral stories, these gigantic creatures were nomadic and kept away from the homes of the Native American villages. There was always a balance between the tribes and the wild ones, for they were described as very fierce and very dangerous, but they would keep to themselves and were rarely encountered. The Native Americans would leave out food for the creatures to maintain the peace. Now many of the earliest Europeans that made their way into Ohio region, which were mostly the Canadian and British fur traders, were warned by the Native Americans not to anger or interfere with them or risk death. Sounds, I, I probably wouldn't either. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> As is common with most American folklore or legends about creatures, the Native Americans are usually the source of the very beginning of the stories. Well, they were here first and, you know, they know what to watch out for. Well, they had lifetimes of living with these uh, yes. tribes. Now, though many settlers heeded that warning, the growing population of men in the Ohio region soon created incidences of encounters with the wild ones of the woods. Chapter 2, The Carriage Ride The first documented sightings of the Grassman date all the way back to 1869 in southern Galea County by the Ohio River. On January 23rd, after taking a carriage ride into the rolling hills and forests of the land, a man and his daughter decided to take a walk along the path when all of a sudden a wild man leaped out of the woods and at the father. The ape-like creature caught him in a grip, much like a vice, and hurled him to the ground. The man utilized his walking cane for protection, but it did not stop the creature from falling upon him to bite and scratch, much like a wild animal. There was a long and violent struggle between the man and the beast that ended up in the deep mud along the side of the road. The man was half suffocated beneath the massive of adversary. And just as he was about to succumb to the beast, the daughter, who displayed an immense courage, picked up a rock and threw it with fear-driven strength at the creature, striking it on the ear. Though the creature was not stunned, the creature was startled enough by the attack and bounded off the path. This allowed the man and his daughter to escape back into their carriage from what they described as a creature gigantic in size with burning orange eyes and being covered in hair. If they are made of grass... If like, who, the creatures like aren't made the, of grass. Well, how'd they get their name Grassman? Just from their huts? Most, and because okay. that's what they mostly ate. Okay, never mind. Okay, good. Yeah, so, okay. The Grassman is basically a Bigfoot-like creature, right. but he's a different from the Bigfoot creatures because he seems to be he's seen eating grass and weed out on the farms, and he builds these grass-like nests. Okay. That's where he gets his name. Okay. Not that he's made I'm of grass. I'm just picking a big cousin it. I guess no. not. Okay. No. <laughs> no, definitely not a big cousin it. Okay. And as this carriage rider found out, a very dangerous cousin hit yeah, in that case. Yeah, that's why I was trying to figure out how he was like so 
forceful if he was, you know, never mind. Well, basically, he's, it's an ape-like creature, so yeah. he basically got attacked by a gorilla-type thing. Now, though there were sporadic sightings and tales of the creatures since then, actual eyewitness accounts remained most quiet until recent history. It occurred on one of the prominent sightings occurred in August of 1978 at Evelyn and Howe Clayton's home in the small village of Minerva, Ohio. Chapter 3, The Grandchildren and the Creature. So the encounter occurs as such. The family were enjoying a quiet evening with their children, grandchildren, and a few friends. Now while Evelyn and Hal were relaxing in their home, their children and a few of their friends suddenly came screaming through the door of the house, apparently scared to death. They told their grandparents that while they were playing outside, they came across a monster in the gravel pit. Unsure of what to do, but believing in the fear in the eyes of the children, the pair headed outside and saw a creature just as the children had described, covered in dark hair and that was about 7 feet and 300 pounds. When asked later, Evelyn said that the grass man simply stood there in the gravel pit, fiddling with discarded trash, although the creature hightailed it out of there quickly after witnessing it. The family then saw the creature a few more times over the next couple of days. One night, it was even seen peering at them through the kitchen window. Howe ran for his gun, but the primate was gone before he returned. The area was later investigated by the police, and although there was no sign of the hairy creature, several faint footprints were observed in the mud, and a terrible smell still lingered in the air. The Ohio Grassman was later seen by the Claytons atop a hill near the strip mine at night. The next month, in broad daylight, the couple observed two of the hairy bipeds on the same hill. It was only after these reports by the Claytons were made that a startling connection was made. Days before the gravel pit incident, the Claytons' German Shepherd was found dead. Its no. neck was broken, presumably killed by the hairy beast. Like I said, these creatures are a little bit more social, and I don't mean in a friendly way. They do come up in contact with people a bit more commonly than other versions of the hairy hominids. And unfortunately, it is assumed that the Clayton's German Shepherd found one and had chased it into the woods and was killed by a grassman. Dang. Yeah, not good. All of this resulted in a media frenzy that soon enveloped Minerva and the Clayton family. The fact that this was a daytime encounter and had many eyewitnesses supported much of what was reported. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of... Wow. And I mean, it's not been... I don't know, it just seems it would be bigger than Bigfoot. Minerva did have a big flare-up of people coming to investigate, and there's was a the creation of the story of the Minerva monster, which ties in all of this encounter. But a lot of skeptics, you know, still were claiming that it was, you know, a bear or some other type of uh, mistaken identity. But it's kind of hard that during the daytime to mistake an animal as as a Bigfoot type creature. And there was so many. I mean, you had the grandparents, you had their friends, you had the kids. All of this would kind of lead credence that it was a believable story. Right. 
That's what I mean. I mean, how is it not completely solved is what I mean. I mean, it just seems hard not to solve the case. Exactly. Well, these cre- uh, Ohio has a huge forest area, especially around Minerva and the Ohio River. So it's a lot of territory to cover that you really can't get to. The ability of these guys to travel in that kind of terrain and dense forest probably leads to their ability to disappear. In fact, the Bigfoot Research Organization, which maintains an enormous database of encounters with the hairy hominids, actually lists over 300 incidences in Ohio of encounters with the Grassman. And in my researching of cases, I found one incident that actually occurred only a few miles from where I grew up in Stark County, Ohio. Hmm. And I wasn't even aware of it. Dang. A lot of times media treats these stories as jokes or hoaxes, and so it doesn't get the press that it really should. So right. the stories are, a little, are there. They're just a little bit harder to find. So chapter four, my own backyard. Now, during September of 2011, so I had uh, left uh, Ohio long since then when I actually was moved into Florida by that time. But during September of 2011, as summer was ending, a man was awoken at about 2 in the morning on the 6th of September. Unable to return to sleep, he decided to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Under the mostly full moon, He enjoyed the last bits of the summer's warmer weather. After approximately two or three minutes, he heard a low guttural growl coming from his left. It seemed to emanate from the cornfield beside his home. He peered out between the single line of pine trees that divided his property from the cornfield, but was unable to observe the source of the growls even though the moon was shining in his direction. It returned to silence for another minute before another low guttural growl occurred once more. He decided not to risk an encounter with the unseen creature in the cornfield and therefore extinguished his cigarette and returned to the safety of the house, not telling anyone about what happened. Hmm. Wow. Yes. Now he was awakened again on the next night and headed back out to the rear deck of the home under the bright moon. The events of the previous night had all been forgotten, but after a few minutes while he stood there, a repeat of the previous night occurred. There was that same low guttural growl coming from the cornfield on his left. This time, it seemed to be a little louder, and he strained to observe the source of the noise between the pine trees. There was nothing there except darkness. His first thoughts was that it was a bear had wandered into the cornfield and was now the culprit of the growling. However, later he checked on local bear sightings and discovered that there had been no bears reported in that area. Whatever was causing the growls sounded extremely large and seemed to have a large set of lungs causing the man to grow nervous and exposed on the deck. He entered back into his home that night and just as he encountered his wife walking towards him on her way to the door to go out on the back deck. Fearing for his safety, he stopped her and then informed her about the sounds from the cornfield that he had experienced during the last two nights. Surprisingly, 
She replied to him with, I know, I've heard them before. Both decided not going outside at night for the rest of the week, and after a few days had passed with no closer to any answers, he decided to contact his oldest son, who was 23 years of at the time. He asked him if he was willing to come over after work so that the both men could work together and determine what was happening in the cornfield. And, you know, you watch a lot of horror movies. Nothing ever good happens in the cornfield. No. But at about 5.30 on the day, both men made their way out through the tree line that separated his property from the cornfield. As the two very capable men were walking through, they started to notice structures in the cornfield that didn't make sense, and it seemed to rule out something done by nature. At the end of the tree line was a large field with tall grass that gets to be about five or six feet high, and part of the land seemed to be swampy with cattails growing on one side. The temperature that day was warm and sunny with very little cloud cover and no rain, but the ground on the field still seemed wet and muddy and both men worked their way across until they made it to the field with some degree. As they stopped on the edge of the field, they looked beyond to the wooded area of crabapple trees. So now they've started walking into the cornfield and they start seeing some of the uh, creations by some kind of creature in the cornfield as it weaved the cornstalks in and out, creating little nests or structures. And as they exited out the cornfield, now they have crossed the field and they're coming across a forest area. See, I was saying bear, but I guess bears can't really do that. (laughs) I'm not sure of bears crocheting and uh, making wicker baskets and stuff. Yeah, I don't think so. But while they were standing on the field, out of the peripheral vision, they noticed that some movement at the edge of the tree line. Also in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day, about 5.30 in the afternoon, so early evening. What they saw was only 200 feet from where they were standing, but it disappeared as quickly as it had appeared. They decided to investigate the spot, unsure if the movement was a deer or anything else. They had seen movement, but couldn't tell the shape or the color of this shape in question. And after trekking across this field, they reached the tree line, which had a small creek about three foot wide with very little water flowing through it. Now this was a heavily traveled area where deer had been crossing the creek in the same area. Both men leaped across the distance of the narrow creek and started to walk along the deer trail, which followed the edge of the creek. The father decided to investigate the edge of the water for any signs of prints while his son elected to wait upon the trail. Which is something you should never do. I mean, no (laughs) horror movie do you ever split up. Yeah. Anyways, they split up. The son then shouts out for him after a few moments and wanted him to look at something that was odd to him. He requested his father to stand where he was standing and then follow the trail of the creek down to a large tree on the edge. Peering down to the tree, which was about 300 feet away, the father noticed a dark shape that seemed to be squatting behind the tree. The shape was not moving, so he decided to dismiss it as a log or a tree stump and went back to the creek's edge to continue looking for any types of prints in the soft mud, but 
he came up empty-handed. Poor thing, can't even go to the bathroom in privacy. This is true. You try and squat by a tree, and then you know, all you do is have people stare at you. The two men decided to go a bit farther into the woods just to see what else they could find. They started back on the deer trail, traveling to the spot where they had previously stood to look down at the large tree. They just wanted to see what the dark object was, just out of curiosity. But, as they got closer, the area looked different. Coming on upon a point where the creek connected to a larger one, the two men decided to split up again. The father headed south, and the son headed north to look around for about five minutes. However, before the time had elapsed, the father could hear his name being shouted out. Unsure of the reason, he quickly turned around and raced back to the direction of his son. He came upon his son as he was standing in a small clearing that had the greenest grass that either man had ever seen. The clearing was surrounded by a thick brush in the shape of a U. In this clearing, both men experienced an unbearable smell in the area. Now neither man could pinpoint what type of smell it was. It seemed to be a combination of rotten eggs or rotted flesh. And they both started searching in the clearing for a possible dead animal or any source of the horrible odor. Unable to determine the cause of the odor, and with darkness coming on, they decided to head back. They returned to the deer trail along the creek until they got to about 20 feet from the area where they had originally crossed the water. The sun was in the lead when he stopped. He looked over to his left. But before the father could inquire for the cause of his stopping, the son told him to look over to the left in the same direction that he was looking. At only about a hundred feet away from the two men was what they described as a huge, hairy creature standing in a bipedal fashion with a forward gate staring back at their direction. Only the brush and small saplings stood between them and the creature as they were overcome with amazement because of the size of this human-looking creature. It was rocking its upper body back and forth and it seemed as though time stopped and neither of them had any idea how long they were actually viewing the creature. This unexplained creature appeared to be at least seven and a half feet tall and weigh a minimum of 600 pounds. The hair was a dark reddish brown and it had a matted and dirty look to it, with most of the face covered with hair. The ears were covered with hair and they could see the legs were extremely muscular and large. The arms were very long and seemed to extend just slightly past the knees. Eventually, the two men were able to break themselves out of the hypnosis. The son wanted to run, but the father told him not to run and that they would walk out but keep an eye and see if they were going to be followed. The creature was looking in their direction but did not seem to notice them through the brush and the saplings. So the two men finally made it to the small creek and jumped across and headed across the field with the tall grass as they kept looking over their shoulder to determine if they were being followed. There was noises in the background, but they could not see anything other than the shadows. As both men stepped into the safety of the backyard, they turned around and looked in the direction of where they had just come from. 
there was no signs of the creature. But suddenly, both men heard two loud tree knocks causing both men to look at each other for confirmation that the other has heard the unnatural sound. Something was taking a large branch and banging it against the tree trunk, either as a signal to the two men to stay away or to signal other creatures of the same type that they were being invaded by men. Neither men ever returned to the woods or encountered the creature that made the growling sounds from within the cornfield since then. Is this documented in the news? It wasn't documented in the news, but the Bigfoot the Bigfoot Research Organization, the BFRO, has a online website that they have actual researchers who people can send in their encounters and they'll go out and investigate and then they'll put out their reports of what their findings are on the website. So it is documented in a scientific manner by this organization, even if it didn't make the newspapers. That's crazy. But how would you, how would you react if, you know, you went out on the back patio and you heard creatures growling off in the distance? I'd just think it was a bear or something. And I'm sure that's what he, I mean, that's what he thought at first, but then he, I guess there was a phone number you can call and check or check with your neighbors and nobody had seen any signs of the bear. So that kind of, you know, canceled that out until him and his son went out on a nature walk and they actually ran into the creature. That's insane. Only a hundred feet away. And luckily the creature didn't see them. Uh, or at least it didn't react it to them and they made it back out of the woods safely. There have been noises beyond the sounds of trees being hit with sticks that have been associated with the grassman. Amongst some of the recorded sounds are the creature's howls heard from the forest. Chapter 5 The Cuyahoga Valley Howls There is a March 2015 recording obtained by Charlie Page of the BFRO in Northeast Ohio Cuyahoga Valley's National Park at about 11 p.m. at night. There had been sporadic sightings of the creatures with sounds and tracks found near and within the park for decades. Now the thing to know about the Cuyahoga Valley National Park is that it is an amazing beautiful location but it's not well known outside of Ohio. We're talking about forest land that's about 52 square miles. That makes it about 50% larger than Manhattan. Wow. And it's basically all forest. I'm going to post a link to the howls of the creature will be posted on our show notes for you. Page reported that his sound recorder was within a thousand feet of the scenic vista point named Hemlock Point. If you listen to the sounds, you can hear that there's white noise in the background that's caused from the traffic from the freeway, which cuts through the park. But then you hear animal howls more than once from basically the same area, but seem to face in different directions for each howl. Distance response whoops can be heard in the background at points. So it's as though you can hear the creatures are talking one to another.
what's even more interesting is that there was another recording that was made back in 1994 that was obtained by Matt Moneymaker of the BFRO founder. His recording was 50 miles to the east of the Cuyahoga recording area, so still relatively close to the 2015 recording. This has been known as the Ohio Howl for the last 20 years, and this recording has consistently stumped animal sound experts who can't identify what kind of creature it is on the recording. That's awesome. All scientific analysis has concluded that this is not a mechanical device, nor is it the vocalization of any known animal. In fact, in the 1994 recording, you can hear a dog barking furiously as the howler howls repeatedly. Hmm. The howler was standing on a point overlooking the Ohio River, apparently to project his howls across the river to the hills on the West Virginia side. So who or what was he calling to? Now that we've gone over some of the different cases or encounters with the Grassman, now we can start covering some of the theories about it. Obviously, we have to mention the bear theory. This is the most common skeptic response to these types of creatures that it's basically a misidentified bear. And it is true that Ohio does have bears. The last count stated that there is somewhere between 60 to 100 black bears that call Ohio home. And this is according, yeah, this is according to the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, which began tracking bear activity in 1993. So there isn't a real large bear population in Ohio, right? Especially compared to other locations. Now, while most black bears in Ohio live in the southern Ohio, they do occasionally venture north, enjoying the intermixed landscapes with forests and open land habitats. Which means there's even less over there. In that location. Agreed. So it's kind of hard to really blame it on a bear. Although, I mean, how many of the grassmen do you think out there out there? Is there about 100 grassmen out there as well? True. So small numbers of both. The thing, though, is that most of these encounters that people are having of the grassmen have been in daylight. Could you confuse a bear with a a Bigfoot-type creature in the dark? Yeah. But doing it during the daytime... I would find that a little harder to believe. Right. Now, there's also the hoax theory. There's always the suggestion that eyewitnesses are fabricating the stories of these creatures. Ohio has 316 cases of grassman slash Bigfoot sightings, meaning that there would need to be 316, 316 hoaxes being perpetrated on the public. Yeah, but there'd also be a lot of them at night. Because you're not just going to do hoaxes during the day, especially over a creature, you're going to do it more at night. Mm-hmm. Because that's when people think they come out. Exactly. So there's a lot of uh, times where this could just be kids trying to scare their neighbors or trying to frighten the farmers and so forth. 
So there is always the potential that the grass man is just a hoax. But who then is building the grass nests? I mean, like you said, that's a lot of work to be doing just for a hoax. But they do exist. And if they're doing a hoax, they're do- I think they're just—they're not doing it right. They're not doing it right. <laughs> okay. Well, so, I mean, you'd think they'd be more at night, not just during the day. Agreed. I mean, well, maybe they're not allowed to. Maybe they have to go in when the street lights come on. Maybe it is Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last theory that I'm going to touch on is the undiscovered species theory. Fact. Ohio has large areas of forested parks with large supplies of food sources, even for the more vegetarian grassman. With many of these forested lands connecting to farmland, it is not unreasonable to assume that the creature utilizes the man-made farms for their own sustenance and then return to the safety of the woods. The vast parks that also litter the Ohio have valleys and cave systems offering many locations to hide and travel unseen. Most locations into these forests and valleys are very difficult, if not impossible, to reach for people on regular hiking trips. So there is the ability for the grassman to live unmolested in the large areas of emptiness. Right. So there, there is a possibility for them. So it could be just some animal that we've never even heard of. Or haven't been able to prove. Right. In regards to popular culture, um, the Grassman doesn't have the name recognition that Bigfoot and Sasquatch has. But there was a documentary in 2015 called The Minerva Monster. This was a documentary directed by Seth Breedlove about the August 1978 sightings at the Evelyn and Howe Clayton's home, so the grandparents' home we mentioned earlier. So this was the case that regarded the grandchildren and the multiple sightings of the creature. The documentary Minerva Monster tells the story through eyewitness interviews in the words of those actual people who lived through it. So with all of the information that we have and all of the possibilities that we have, what are some of your final opinions about the Grassman? I don't know. This seems rather interesting. I'm kind of going with the whole, you know, not proven animal slash man out there. It does make for a very interesting story. Like I said, pretty much any time that the Native Americans before the settlers came in talk about these wild tribes... It's kind of interesting to think of the Indians living and then, you know, these more savage humanoids also living right beside them. And then the settlers coming in, changing the whole experience, but the stories still remain. Right. Now, however, the real question, though, is if you, our listener, are brave enough to take a walk into the woods of Ohio at night. Or during the day in this case. (laughs) This is true. Well, being sure to keep a look on the shadows within the tall grass, I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to David Fesselin and Fesselian Studios for the introduction music. For those who want to learn more about the Ohio Grassman, be sure to check out Grassman, Ohio's North American Ape by Jody Cook, or Bigfoot Encounters in Ohio, The Quest for the Grassman, by Christopher Murphy in association with Jody Cook. We would like to ask you to please give leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this podcast on to help promote the show. 
We are on all social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with ghosts and creatures on your own. You can always reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. And we are on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com. For any of you who would like to share, we love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Ohio Grassman and will come again for another episode. Please spread the word to your friends who would enjoy listening to our tales about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries that go bump in the night. Until then, we hope you make your way out of the mist safely and perhaps a bit more curious. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.